Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more. Hello, my name is Woody. This is Changing the House of Pods, a podcast about Deftones. Today, a holiday special with Jeff Irwin from Willhaven. Wings of Mariposa, new music from Will Haven, who, if you're unfamiliar, go way back with Deftones. If you've been a fan for a long time, you might have seen them on tour together, maybe even more than once. Uh, Will Haven's from Sacramento, and Jeff's relationship with the guys in Deftones predates and largely exists apart from music or any of their success as recording artists. And for me, I mean, that's part of what makes this special episode so special. I mean, it's a pretty incredible gift to have somebody like Jeff share his experiences as a participant in the rise of my favorite band. I mean, that that's pretty damn cool. But on top of that, Willhaven is awesome. I think I've said this plenty of times, but when people talk about the Deftones family tree and their peers in Sacramento, man, I've always had a soft spot for Willhaven. They're just so fucking heavy. And if you take a quick look at the guests I've had on this podcast, it's no secret I love hardcore. So, again, connecting with Jeff, having him participate in this project is extremely special. Another reason this episode is special, the main reason, the reason there's a new episode at all today, it's Dia de los Deftones. Man, I can't tell you how geeked I am for this. I'm literally flying my whole family, my wife, my kids, even my mother-in-law, to San Diego so we can do this thing on Saturday. The lineup is amazing. That new Cold God is great. Turnstile, maybe the hottest band in rock right now. Freddie Gibbs has the album of the year for me, so I'm going to get really lit when he hits the stage. I love Fantagram and Deftones. Man, am I ready to see Deftones. Okay, even though these are going to be cold takes by the end of the day tomorrow, I'm going to tell you what I'm looking for in the set list. I think it's going to be similar to the spring set list with uh, a couple of surprises. Hopefully more new ohms, spell of math and ceremony in particular. I feel like those need to be played. And I think a guest vocalist is on the table for some reason. Like my gut is telling me Sarah from Fantagram is going to join them for Cherry Waves, but... Honestly, it doesn't really matter. What matters is Deftones are playing Dia de los Deftones, and that is a beautiful thing. Finally, briefly, before we get going here, this is a one-off episode, to be clear, a holiday special in honor of Dia de los Deftones. Season 4 is still in the gestation period, but there are so many things I would love to talk about. I mean, just last weekend alone, Around the Fur turned 25, Saturday Night Wrist turned 16, and Crosses dropped... 
one of the best songs of the year with Vivian and announced the CD, Permanent Radiant, uh, due in December. Uh, And Polyphia put out their new album, which Chino is a a featured vocalist on. And that song slaps, too. I mean, I I really, honestly, marvel at the extremely high quality of music Chino makes. I mean, it's unreal because it's all so different, but, but so good. It's something Jeff actually talks about for a little bit here, too. He puts Chino in a class with uh, guys like Mike Patton and Perry Farrell in this regard. And by the way, that that puts those two guys in pretty good company. Uh, No, but I think it's a cool comparison. And I think you're going to enjoy Jeff articulate it. You're going to hear him tell some amazing tour stories. Uh, You'll hear about Deftones before they were signed, where they're at now. We'll even speculate a little bit about their future. And I think throughout all of it, you'll be able to glean some insights into who they are as men. And for me, it's those moments that make me feel good about being a Deftones fan. Uh, but first, before we start talking about Deftones, Haven's got a new album coming out, and they've been at it for a while. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a process. So we started back in 20... Well, I started writing in about 2019, and then thinking we were going to have a record out by 2020. And then we had Download Festival in England um, for 2020. So we were going to get the album out right around then. And then, of course, you know, the world just went upside down. Yeah. So all of 2020, I just we just kind of recorded at the studio just slowly. And then uh, just took our time with it, just picked it apart. And I think the songs we written rewritten like five times. And I've added stuff and taken stuff out and um but it's been good. It's been, I've gone over through the very fine comb and I'm very stoked on how it's come out and come together. So we're just finishing kind of the final mixes now. And then uh, hopefully next, early next year, it'll come out. So three years in the making then really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, well, COVID just stopped everything because sure. we were going to, uh, we did some touring in 2019 and we came home. And so let's write a new record and get something out before download 2020. So we were, you know, writing a lot and then, and then 2020 came and I think right up to like almost three weeks before download um, was going to happen. They, that's when they finally canceled it. So we thought we were going all the way up until March, I think, but the record was still not done. And, uh, and then they canceled the download and I'm like, okay, well, I don't think any show is going to happen for a long time. So let's just go back and rework the record, listen to it, take it apart, you know, make sure that we're just completely happy with it. So, and we toured a little bit this year. We went back, we finally did download this year. Um, so we've kind of done like a couple shows here and there, but not many. And um, we just kind of just been, I just been working on the record nonstop, but for me, I'm, I'm a perfectionist when it comes to stuff like that. And if I have the time, to, so the last three years, I just been like working on this record pretty much my whole free time. So, but it's been fun. I'm having a blast doing it. It's like my favorite thing is creating music. So I'm just having a good time doing it. Just to go back a little bit. How long has it been since the previous album? That came out in 2018. Yeah, I think it was 18 that Morte came out. Wow. So, so yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, I mean, obviously COVID, like you said, it, it, it put the brakes on everything. But um, for you guys to sort of have that energy, I guess, to follow up. Because prior to that album in 2018, it was quite a while, right? 2011, I think it was. Yeah. 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 So So, that momentum sort of, it it got put aside. Yeah. I mean, like, it just takes a long time to get stuff together. And um, like, I mean, Willow Haven is not our job. It's not our main hobby or it's our main hobby. So it's not, 
it's not something we need to have to have a deadline or anything. We just take our time with it. And um, this is more fun thing. Like I didn't even think we were going to do a new record. I thought after 2019, we were going to maybe just call it a quits or take a long break. But when we came home, like we sat down and like, Hey, this is, we're having fun. Let's write a new record. So that's when the process kind of started. And then, um, and then, yeah, with COVID, everything just got shut down. So I was like, yeah, I'll just take our time with it and then just make, make, a, make sure we make a really good record. So. So do you have a timeline now uh, looking forward or are you just playing it by ear? <laughs> uh, no, I think we have a single, we have one single out, single out already. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to put another single out, I think uh, in a couple weeks and then another single right before the record drops, which would be probably early next year, February, March, I think when the record will finally come out. So it's almost done. Uh, and I can't do anything more to it. I've pretty much, done everything i possibly could to this record so <laughs> it's like put it out now it's like it's not gonna get any better so i mean if you've rewritten several songs several times yeah that's it yeah. sounds like it's probably time to to drop it that's that's yeah. cool though that's really exciting um yeah. especially so for for your band um like this journey of your band is i feel like a really it's a unique <laughs> journey in that you you have this established like you have a long history and then you kind of have gone away and then you come back and it's like people are still i feel like especially deftones fans who are like yeah fuck yeah will haven like the i feel yeah. like there's a common there's a conversation among us they're like you know there's we're stoked on it it's cool to it's cool that we're ready and you have this audience that's like anticipating your return you know what i mean yeah and i think i mean i'm so blessed to have that because you know i think when bands go away, people just forget about them, you know? And I mean, there's still a lot of fans that we have that don't even know they have a new record out, you know, it's kind of hard for us to get the the word out sometimes, but, but yeah, when we go play England or we kind of show up anywhere, we played New York a couple of years ago. We hadn't been there since like 20 years and there was still, it was almost packed, you know? So it's, it is crazy how we can just go away and then come back and people are still there. And it's like, it kind of blows my mind, but you know, it's, it's more of like, a lot of it has the connection with Deftones because a lot of these people that we, you know, mo- most of our core of our fan base saw us when we toured with Deftones. Yeah. And, and that was kind of the, for a lot of the time, uh, people had seen the Deftones for the first time. It's like first time I saw us as well. So it's, there's this connection of like, Oh yeah, I saw these guys together for the first time. And so they kind of have this, you know, kinship with us where like, we kind of have just this thing with them that they just resonate with. And so it's, we've been lucky to have that for sure. I, I totally connect with what you're talking about there. That's, yeah. that's real. That's super. Um, that's super cool. What, so let's, let's go back a little bit then let's, let's go all the way back. I'm, I'm excited to ask you the question that I, that I ask uh, pretty much everybody. Do you, sure. when do you remember first remember hearing about Deftones or finding out about Deftones? It's funny. Cause I, I didn't meet um, those guys through so much music. So yeah, it's, it's a weird family tree. It's all splintered out. But um, I graduated high school. And right when I graduated high school, I started taking some summer classes at City College. And there was a girl in my class and we were talking music and I played drums forever. I got my first drum set at 12. So I, we were just talking music and I said I played drums. And she's like, oh, let me introduce you to my friend Malcolm. He's in a band. And Malcolm is the original bass player for FAR. So I ended up hanging out with Malcolm and he invited me to a FAR in one of his practices, which was far practice. And, and there I met Sean Lopez and became really your friends with Sean Lopez. And so I was kind of, I, that's how, that was my first local band that I even actually knew. Cause I grew up in South Sacramento. So I didn't really know this, the local scene at all. 
you know, we were kind of out of the, out of the zip code for that a little bit. So far as like the first band, local band, I'm like, Oh, this is cool. It's like guys are in a band. And then, you know, through there, I had other friends, um, that went to high school still. And through that group of friends, I met Todd Wilkinson, who, you know, was a guitar player for team sleep and him and Chino were best friends at that time. And so Todd had a, uh, was having like a get together at his parents' house. Um, when, when his parents were gone for the weekend and he was still in high school and he's like, Hey, come hang out at my house. So I went over there and that's where I met Chino. And he, he'd said something like, Hey, that he sings for this band Deftones. And I'm like, Oh, cool. Whatever. You know, <laughs> that's in, I was like, I didn't know much about any local bands or anything. And, and the Deftones were just starting out. So, so um, roughly so, what year was this then? Do you think I met, it was right. So 90, late 91, 92 wow. um, is when I started hanging out with all these guys. And then, so me, Todd and Chino, like we were just skateboarding like every day, like we would just go skate and hang out. And then, Chino had just moved in with Chi at an apartment um, at the college here in town. And so I'd go pick up Chino and that's where I met Chi because they were roommates. And, and Stefan, it worked at a, a Mexican restaurant that me and Sean would go to all the time. And I think Steph was the manager there or something. So that's how I met Stefan. It was kind of through Sean because we go, hey, that's my boy, Steph. And he plays guitar in Deftone. I was like, oh yeah, I never heard that name or whatever. And Abe actually, <laughs> Abe worked there too with Stefan. But Abe wasn't in Deftones and he was in Fallacy. So, um, so that, I mean, that's how it kind of just organically, we were just all friends and like, and then, you know, just hanging out with them, I started going to shows. And I think the first Deftones show, I thought they played some backyard party somewhere and some, <laughs> it was some random backyard party. And, and uh, I thought it was good. But I think the first show they played, I saw them play at, um, at like a, I think it might have been the college, like at the, at lunchtime or something they played and um so which uh, which college uh sac state Sacramento. that's where chino and she had their apartment was on sac state college right right near the set college so so like somewhere um, on the campus there they... yeah yeah they would play like the in the middle of the quad or i guess once in a while um because yeah. chino and she had a job there for a little bit they worked at the convenience store for a little bit and so i don't think they had ends of the college or whatever but they play there once in a while and and I, I, I think, I think that was the first show I can't quite remember, but, um, but I think it just started off as me, just there would be, they're my homies. And then, you know, I'd go and watch them play shows. And, um, but I mean, I would, I wouldn't lie to say right off the bat, like when I heard the first demo of far tape, I was floored. I was like, I mean, that's still one of my favorite records is their first demo. And then when I got, uh, somebody gave me the Deftones demo, that was the same way. I was like, these guys are amazing, you know? So they were my friends, but they also really fast became my favorite bands too. Like not just local bands, but all time favorite bands. Cause I just love their music, uh, both bands. And so, and so, yeah, just going, I knew all their songs and stuff going to shows and, wow. and then it just became this like thing, you know, where we'd all go support each other and go to other shows and hang out. And, and I, but I, there was something special about both bands. So I just knew that something was in the future for those guys. You know, they were both, insanely ahead of their time so charismatic just i mean both fans just had it had that had that thing you know and i would just have to be a part of it i just had to be just homies with them all you know yeah wow and you were you were playing uh drums but you weren't in a band yet like because Wilhaven, i understand was a, a result of sock correct yeah so i played drums when i met sean but i wasn't in a band um and so i would just 
kind of hanging around those guys. I'd ride roadied for far in depth. I was like way in the early days, like helping them set up carry equipment and stuff. And then, um, me and Sean moved in together in 92. Um, yeah, was it 92 early 92? Uh, me and Lopez became roommates. And then, um, we started, uh, he played guitar, of course. I was like, Hey, I play drums. Let's start jamming. So we started basically sock. Um, I played drums. He played the guitar. Grady had just moved in with us as well. So he was our roommate. So we got him to sing and then our friend Adam played bass. So that was like my real first, like I was in a band before sock, but it wasn't my taste or anything. I just kind of just played to play, but sock was like the first band. I was like, Oh, I love this band. I love being in this band. And so, um, but it was more for fun and we recorded a demo tape and then played a couple shows. And then it was funny because like right when Sock started kind of getting off the ground a little bit, Far got signed to, that's when they got signed to Sony. And so Sean's like, you know, I can't, I don't have time for Sock anymore. So like, uh, and then I just like, okay, we'll just, I'll just try to start something new. But I didn't think Will Haven would be what it was. I just was going to just kill time, you know, and like, you know, watch <laughs> my boys like succeed really. But and then it turned into something else, but little did but you yeah. know. Little I know, yeah, that everything wouldn't happen, but, um, but yeah, and I mean, this kind of like how it started. So, Sock was Sock a hardcore band? Yeah. So, when I met Sean, he kind of introduced me to like a very, all that hardcore straight edge scene. Like, I didn't know anything really about it. And then, Sean, Sean pretty much changed my life. Like, Sean's like a big part of my life where my life just went the other way, you know? And so, we were all in like Earth Crisis and Gorilla Biscuits and Snapcase and, bloodlet and all these bands and sepultura and um and so when we started sock we kind of wanted to have that vein of like hard metal but kind of hardcore roots you know and and sean just we were really into like riffs at the time and heavy riffs and it's funny because like even before sock um deftones had a practice spot in sacramento and me and sean would go over there and stefan would set up his rig and sean and and um Stefan would play riffs and I'd play drums and uh, we called it flower. It was just kind of a funny little thing we made up, but it was just a battle to see who come up with the best riff and I would just play drums to it. And so that's how kind of sock kind of spun off that a little bit. And then we formed sock, but yeah, it was like metal, hardcore, sepulture roots, but um, super heavy, but yeah, it was fun. I mean, Sean is an amazing, you know, Everybody knows him from crosses and stuff and far, but like that boy can write some riffs. So he's, yeah, he's, he's awesome writing riffs. So yeah. Dude, that's insane. There, a couple yeah. of things that you said have just like completely blown my mind. First of all, like uh, being there behind the kit while those two guys are ripping it is, is pretty insane. And just thinking about like how that's like a lot of dudes wet dreams. You know what I mean? Like, like there's, a there's, lot a of, there's a lot of fanboys out there that are going like, Oh fuck dude. That's, that's wild. <laughs> like here's, that's, here's an, Here's another funny part of that story is that somehow the, the practice spot that they practiced at left homes at that time um, was owned by the drummer of Dokken, Wild Mick. And so he had his kit there set up and they had like a full on rock stage there. They built inside this warehouse. So when I went to go jam with those guys, I would sit behind Wild Mick's kit and play drums while those two were playing guitar. So I'm sitting behind Dawkins' drum kit while those two were playing guitar. So weird, just it's so funny. Dude, that's awesome. I forgot yeah. that I forgot that Dawkins a Sacramento band too. Yeah, that's right. Oh, the, yeah, I think a drummer is. I, I was looking up. To, I couldn't figure out why Wild Mick was here because he's originally from LA, but his oh, brother, really? yeah, his brother lived here or lives here or lived here for a while. So uh, I was trying to make the connection. I didn't really 
get, but yeah, his brother lived here for a while and his brother was in a local uh, band here. So I think he built it what for his a brother or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was so the, weird. <laughs> the other thing that you said though, that is, that is super wild is that you used to, um, uh, what did you say you used to tech for the guys back in the early days when they were touring in 91, 92, when they were yeah, playing well, shows? Yeah. What were they I like? Mean, what, tell me, tell me, like describe Deftones playing shows in 91, 92 like that. I mean, was it dudes in a van? Uh, was it that kind of uh, scale or like, can you paint that picture for me a little bit? So the funny thing is that the only two people in the band that had a car was Chi and John Taylor at the time. John was playing drums. And so, but those cars weren't big enough to fit any equipment. And I had, back then I had a, a Volkswagen uh, bus. So we would, they would just throw all my equipment in my bus. And then we would, I'd just drive it to the cow club or whatever. Actually, they, awesome. we, they played a show at Stone in San Francisco and I had to drive my bus to San Francisco. I didn't think it was going to make it with all their gear in it. Um, but yeah, I was just there to help out the homies, you know, like, but none of us, not, not a lot of us had cars back then. So I, I was on one guy that had a car so I could get the equipment around, but, um, wow. but yeah, it was just kind of just, everything was kind of DIY. You know, there was, it was just local, just shows and little tiny clubs and, you know, and, uh, Deftones were able to get into the San Francisco market a little fast, you know? And, um, so they play down there a lot, the stone and stuff like that and bottom of the hill. So, uh yeah it was just more just like it was very underground diy just like you know who was um, doing that do you know who was booking all of those shows for them who was who was getting them around everywhere i mean obviously i know who was helping them get their shit from one place to another yeah yeah, right um, <laughs> but who was setting that up for them that's a great question i don't know who got their earlier like gigs i'm not sure who took the reins on it maybe john taylor because he's pretty good at like because he now he runs it he's a sound guy at one of the clubs here in sacramento and but he's always been pretty active about being in the scene and getting to know right. people. And so he might've helped. And then they eventually got Dave Park, who was their first manager. And Dave was really good about getting them in. I think maybe Dave was the one who got him into the San Francisco scene, um, got him into the stone and stuff. And then he got him into LA. So Dave was a big factor of them getting kind of out of Sacramento and going to play other cities. Um, but yeah, but they didn't get him. That was the one driving around. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool to to hear you say too that um you know you identified them as your as your favorite band like right away that them and far like it's so unique I, I hear about this music community the Sacramento music scene and um and you know and then thinking about um I, I understand it a little bit more now in the context of of your sound Wilhaven sound um and how that um sort of came about or at least the started um but I had wondered like. Was there a hardcore scene in within the Sacramento scene like like that that all of these bands existed in such like it was such it's such a dynamic, you know what I mean, group. It's it's really it's really fascinating. Yeah, it was a, it was a kind of a crazy scene because we had everything you can imagine. It was so diverse. I mean, there was a, a bit of a hardcore scene. Uh, we had a band called Blindside here and um, they were kind of like more the vein of sock, just heavy, you know, straight edge um there was a couple of circus tents um were just up the hill from us they were kind of hardcore-ish you know like so there was a tiny scene for that but not not a lot i mean we were all kind of even soft we were kind of more the underground bands but um but then you had like you know deftones and far and then like one of my favorite bands from here was funky blue velvet um and then prairie wheel and i mean there were so and then, I mean, all those bands sound completely different you know so it was just it was a very diverse unique 
scene going on at the time and no one like was trying to copy each other at the time. And, uh, everybody was just staying in their own lane. And, um, I don't know, it was, it's, it's funny when you look back on it, like, wow, there was no egos. There was no, like, I'm better than you. Everybody kind of just shared, shared the spotlight and everybody kind of just took their, you know, it was their time to shine. It was, it was their time, you know, fallacy was the first and then Deftones and then far. And then, you know, we came a couple of years later after that, but you know, it was just, Oh, it was a special time to be in Sacramento. It, it, of course, it didn't get the attention that Seattle did, but I mean, I don't think we were, I mean, there was probably better music coming out here because a lot of the Seattle bands, you know, they, they, there's a similar sound to them for a majority of it, but SAC was just so diverse. Like everybody was doing their own thing and it was just, but everybody was really good too, which was crazy. But yeah, it was, it was a good time. Get an inside look at Hollywood with Michael Rosenbaum. Let's get inside of my buddy, Kumal Nanjiani. When you talk about Eternals and it wasn't the response that you were hoping, how did that affect you? Marvel thought that we'd be going on a wave of raves, you know, and it wasn't true. The reviews were really bad. And you were aware of it while you were on tour? Yeah, I was too aware of it. And so very intentionally, I did start counseling. Emily says that I do have trauma from it. Inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum. Wherever you listen. Do you remember when it sort of started to happen for Deftones, like when things started to take off or, or did you feel like it was sort of because they had already been touring and, and traveling and getting out of the city? Was it sort did you notice? Yeah. When they started going to L.A. a lot, I mean, they've got them down. They were playing L.A. quite a bit, going down there and playing like a lot of showcases. Um, so I think the word was getting out that you know this there's this band coming along and start getting a little bit more attention and, and of course they were selling out the cattle club no problem and then you know we were playing san francisco and getting a good crowd there and then when they were playing la i was like okay now i think i knew, I always knew that band was going to get signed like they were just i mean i don't think they were put on the earth to do anything else but play music you know i mean steph is an amazing songwriter um chino's 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 a, a god you know he's basically meant to be a singer he's got the charisma the he's got everything everything you want in the lead singer he's got you know and he's had that since the day i met him he's got that charisma that swagger he's just always been the coolest guy in the room you know he's just he, chino is what you think he is he's just that dude you know and then she was a force on his own and then they didn't and john was in the band john's a great drummer um and i love john taylor's drumming and uh, those first demos he played were awesome but when John quit and they were looking for a drummer and they got Abe, I was like, that's it. Like that is an all-star band because Abe was by far the best drummer in Sacramento. And I would go see Fauci and sit behind Abe and just watch him play. Cause I was just so fascinated with, with his drumming. And when Deftones finally got him back in the band, I was like, that's it. They're, they're going to get signed. They're going to be huge. You know, cause Abe was just that special drummer that, that just that band needed, you know, just to put him over the top. So when Abe got in the band, I think when you go back to your question, when Abe got in the band, it's like, that's it. Like, it doesn't matter what's it. Something's going to happen in the next couple of years for this band, you know? So, and then start going to LA. I was like, okay, now, you know, I just figured someone's going to, somebody's going to grab them. So when he, when they said they got signed to Maverick, I was like, yeah, okay. That makes sense. I mean, I expect them to, <laughs> someone's going to pick them up. So I wasn't totally shocked when they were like, oh, you got signed. That's crazy. I was like, okay. Yeah. It's about your, it's about time. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's interesting to me thinking about that time in particular when when they got signed and like the courtship of Deftones and like how that happened. And then I wish I could remember the name of the dude in the label. Uh, there was some article that came out or it was just like a short article that came out a few months 
maybe six months ago about the guy who almost signed Deftones, but he, he blew it or something. It was like, I think oh, uh, Martin, was it Martin Connor or it was Roadrunner, wasn't it? Or... It was Roadrunner. Yes, it was. Yeah, a yeah. Roadrunner. yeah it was yeah. like I almost signed Deftones, but then he wanted yeah. them to change their name, I think. Names. Yeah. 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 Um, but that's that's really that was a that was kind of a big deal then for them. Yeah. Like thinking about um, getting signed, you know what I mean? Making make yeah, themselves I mean, on a on a national was, scale. Yeah, I and mean, it was it was awesome for us because like being such good friends with those guys, I was so stoked for him. I was like, yes, like one of our homies made it. You know, they made they've crossed over into that world. You know, where this can be their day job now. You know, because like we were all struggling to like make money and like we were paying. You know, we had bills and rent and like still trying to play in the local scene. And and for them to get signed, I was like, yes, you guys finally made it. You get out of Sacramento. You can go tour. You can you know try to have a life. You know, on being a musician. And then right after that, Far got signed. So it was like, it was kind of just two things at once. Like, whoa, you know, both my friends are signed now to major labels. Like, this is crazy, you know? So it was uh, it was a pretty awesome moment. I was happy for for both Far and Deftones at the time. You know, I was like, oh, it's good to see my boys, like, get the recognition they deserve. Because from day one, I was like, these guys need to be, people need to hear this band. You know, they can't just be stuck in Sacramento. Like, this needs to be out into the world, you know? So for me, when they got signed, it was almost like, thank God now somebody's going to hear him, you know, that just not in our circle anymore. You know, people, the world's going to hear these guys now. Wow. That's so incredible. That's like, yeah. what an incredible thing to be, to be a witness to, you know what I mean? It's almost <laughs> cinematic, you know? Yeah. And I pitch myself every day. I'm like, I can't believe I was like in the middle of that, you know, like, and seeing where Deftones are now. And unfortunately far didn't, I mean, they got, uh, they got recognition, but you know, unfortunately they couldn't keep it together. Um, but seeing where the Deftones are now, it's, it's, I pinch myself like, God, like I, I remember those days just hanging out, driving around in my van and now like seeing them where they are now. It's like, it's, it's weird that I was in, in the mix back then and seeing that all, you know, flourish from nothing. It's pretty crazy. Was there anything ever that, um, I mean, obviously you identified and you were able to like see the, um, you know, the, the, the scale that they had and you, you were excited about the music, but um, yeah, to see where they are now and to think about, um, you know, their ability to persevere and to sustain um, is what what do you think? What qualities about those guys have made that possible, have have made their um, what, 30, 30 year uh, collaboration like it's it, what, what makes it so strong? Why do you think that they've been able to pull it off? It's that friendship, you know, um, those guys are not a normal band. I mean, they are true brothers. Like, I mean, they've known each other since they were what 15 years old and they've lived every day together in buses and vans and planes. And, and even before that, you know, like we, when we were coming up, we would all hang out together, you know? So it wasn't, it wasn't like, it wasn't, the Death Songs weren't a band because they had to be in a band. It was like, they were true homies, you know? And, they play music just because they had, they were friends and they liked to play music together, you know? And I think them growing up together was a big part of it. Cause I mean, far, you know, Sean and Chris had kind of grown up together and, and Malcolm and Jonah were kind of newer guys in the band that kind of came from other cities. And so they didn't really grow up together. And even though they were, um, they meshed so well together, that band was so amazing together. It just, it, they didn't have that core, growing up together the deaf i mean deftones are organically made you know like they've all 
they've known each other forever. So it's, it's that friendship and it's that lo- brotherly love. And, uh, and it's funny because like even Willhaven, we've had a couple of our original members leave, but I'm still best friends with those guys. You know, even though they're not in the band, I still talk to Mike and Wayne every day. So it's just one of those things. I think it's a Sacramento thing. It just, you know, we were all grown up together. We all love each other. Uh, we don't want to do anything else, you know, and it's, it just, I think it's just their kinship with each other that they've been able to persevere everything. You know, a lot of bands would not make it through this, you know, no, but yeah. a lot of bands aren't, aren't, didn't grow up together either. So that has a lot to do with it. That's wild. I mean, I mean, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. And and thinking about those, all those uh, times spent on buses and planes, um, uh, I would love to know what it was like. Uh, so we will, did you guys tour stateside with them before you went uh, overseas uh, with Deftones? Yeah. Um, I mean, Chino has been, I, I, I thank Chino every time I see him for like giving us the opportunities that he's given to us. Like, you know, being homies with him, like that's one thing I love about Deftones is they've always looked out for their friends before anything else. And, you know, we put out our first demo tape and Chino, like he loved it. And, you know, called me, would call me and say, this stuff's awesome. And then he gave it to Max Cavalera, just handed it to him and, you know, said, check this band out. So he, he was always kind of championing us from the beginning. And, and then they gave us a couple shows in LA that would let us open up for him in LA. And then, um which i was always grateful for and then one day i was just i was i went to see him in san francisco um at bob of the hill which is a pretty small you know club and i'm hanging out and he just walks up and he's like hey you guys want to go on tour with us and i'm like i was just kind of in shock you know because our first record has just barely come out i think it maybe been out like two weeks our very first record no one knew who we were you know and uh i was like yeah, i'd love to and he's like cool he's all i'll have our agent call you and we'll, we'll make this happen and I'm, and I'm like thinking like, is he mean just a couple days or is like, and he's like, and I was like, is this for like a week? And he's like, no, I want you guys to do a whole U S tour. I'm like, oh. so I was like, oh, okay, whatever. It's not going to happen. And then sure enough is their agent called us the next day and said, Hey, Chino wants to take you guys on tour. So we ended up going out on tour, but the th- cool thing, was that first tour was that we opened up and then far supported and then Deftone semi. So it was like the Sacramento traveling circus you know um <laughs> but that was all chino chino handpicked us and far to go on tour with them and and i mean no one knew who will even was so for him to put his neck out for us is like that's that's a pretty bold move you know and around the fur had just come out like it just i think el diablo and, and El around the fur came out right around the same time and um far a bit of a name but you know of course they weren't a huge support act at the time but but it just made a great package. You know, we were all best friends. We were all having fun. And all three bands were just young and hungry and, and, and going up there and just ripping it every night. And it was, to me, it was probably the best time of my life, you know, being on that tour. And, uh, and sometimes even Abe's like, you know, that was, they, that was his favorite tour too. It was like, you know, it was just, it was so fun and, and, and crazy. And, and then, yeah, halfway, and then halfway through that tour, um, it was going so good. Chino and, and Abe pulled me in their hotel room. Like, Hey, we're going to Europe after this. Do you guys want to go with us? I'm like, yeah, sign me up. <laughs> so, but that tour was really good because it was only us and Deftones. So we were the main support. We were the only, we were the opener and main support for Deftones. So it was just the two of us. So when crowds came, they just saw us and then Deftones. There was no opening acts. There was no like waiting around for hours to see Deftones. So like that basically gave us a stage to just become who we were, you know, like, that kind of gave us a platform to build this huge fan base. And so, you know, we were just in the right place at the right time, you know, but 
Um, but that was all Chino and just, and the rest of the guys, Stefan and Abe sticking their neck out, you know, telling their agent, like, we're taking this band out no matter what, you know, and I'm sure they got a lot of pushback because around the fur was still starting to get a little bit of a name and, you know, they could have taken out a, a little bigger band with a bigger draw, you know, and help them get a little bit of more publicity, but they just took out us, you know, and some little band from Sacramento and it worked out, but I can't thank those guys enough for sticking their neck out for us, you know, um, and, God, we built so a, rad. and we built a career just off that you know, that time with them. You know? Yeah. What do you think? What do you think it is about those dudes that, because that, because that's noticeable from a, a fan's perspective um, in, in watching uh, any of their careers and how they continue to collaborate and make music uh, and um, tour with bands from SAC with artists from SAC with musicians from SAC. What is like, what is that? I, I just think it goes back to the, the homie thing, you know, like, yeah, there was, we were a pretty tight knit of group of friends, you know? Um, and it just, it's one of those things like when you go on tour, especially when you go on tour, you want to take your friends, you know, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of times you go out with bands and they're just like the opening band just kind of just not really, you don't connect with. And you know, some might have egos and, Word. you know, or they're just taking advantage of the situation where us, we're like, we're just there to have a good time and play music and, we know who got us on that tour. You know, we know Chino stuck their neck out for us or Abe or, you know, Steph or whoever. So we're very appreciative of that. And we try not to step on their toes. We give them their space. You know, we know what not to do and what to do and how to push their buttons and not how to push their buttons. So it just makes them, it's more, it feels more home, you know, when you're on the road with your friends and when you collaborate with your friends, it's just, it's that way. So, and luckily we have such a great, you know, uh, farm of amazing musicians in sacramento it's like you don't have to go far to like find some i mean like lance lance was my roommate for like 10 years and you know oh, he's great he's a great musician he's he's our homie so it's like of course they're going to take their homie with them you know and word. but we have a we have so many great musicians in this town that that we're all friends with that we can make it happen i mean we'll have i will even took out lance for one tour with us you know and we've taken other friends that here in sacramento that have been our touring you know musicians or whatever so we just have a great, you know, like I said, farm of people we can pick from in this town that we can that we can depend on, but are still our homies, you know. So something that you've a couple of things that you've said have uh, have made me wonder. Uh, obviously, you go out on the road with all of your friends. You're going to have a good time. I'm <laughs> sure you remember. I don't I don't usually ask for like, give me the wild story. But come on, give me a wild story. Give me a wild tour story from back oh, in the day. It's an all sack lineup. There's got to be some wild stuff that happened. It's funny because that first, well, the first, the U.S. and the European tour we did, we, I mean, we started in October of 97 and then that tour finished in March of 98. So we were on the road for a long time. And it was just funny when I look back, it wasn't, it wasn't even the bands that were the crazy ones. It was the roadies. The roadies, <laughs> the Deftones, the Deftones roadies were out of control. Like they were the ones that got the parties going. They're like, they were there to have a good time. And like, I've, I have more stories with roadies than I do with any of the band members. And it's, I mean, you can I name think, names if you want. Nobody's going to know. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> well, it's funny because like, I, they were all like, it was, uh, at the time it was Bobby Twitchell, who was uh, actually Korn's roadie for a long time. Uh, he was Abe's drum tech. Um, unfortunately, Bobby passed away and, uh, a couple years ago, and it sucks. But Bobby was awesome, so much fun. Uh, 
And then uh, Ming was Chi's brother. He was a Chi's uh, bass tech on that tour. And I've known Ming forever. And that was, it was fun having him with us. And, and it was mostly, it was mostly those two guys that the trouble started, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, like we just, it was just, it was, that's about how it was though. Cause I mean, we've known Bobby for a long time and we, you know, of course we all knew Ming very well. So, and it was just every, even all the roadies we were all friends with. So I think everybody was just like, I think because we, we were so close and we were such good friends, like anything kind of went and it was like, no, no one's going to fire me. You know, I'm cheese brother. You know, it's like, it was one of those things where I think no one was scared of getting fired or getting in trouble. And, uh, it just got crazy. So, I mean, I, there was one night in particular and I think we actually spent Thanksgiving in Boston and, uh, we had a day off and we decided like, Hey, let's go have a family dinner. So we ended up getting in this restaurant and it was us and Deftones and all the roadies and, and we ate and then, and then the drinks started coming and we were taking shots. And then we had this thing where we take a shot and just throw the glass in the restaurant and broke all the glasses. And, and then we went to the hotel and Chino and Abe had these electric or these gas powered scooters and they got on the scooter and they were like driving around that, uh, in the hotel lobby or not the lobby, but the hallways, just driving these like gas powered scooters all down the hallways. And this must've been like two in the morning. So everybody's like peeking out going, what the hell's going on is, you're going down the hallway and they're just wasted. And then, uh, so, uh, they came and knocked on my door and I just, it was Stefan and Ming and Grady and they were all just drunk and they're knocking on my door trying to get in. I wouldn't let them in. So I heard that they went down to their uh, Deftones tour manager who was Jim Crotchy at the time. And, and, uh, they knocked on Jim's door and Jim let him in and Jim was like, okay, I'm going to go to bed. You guys just like, do you know just hang out if you need to but i'm going to bed don't bother me so they got crazy in the in jim's room and then had this bright idea to throw the tv out of the window so main picks grabs the tv out of, out of the out of the chest and throws it out the window and it actually lands on the balcony of the hotel and it just crashes and then they're laughing and then they come back to my room and they knock on the door and Steph comes in. He's just laughing his ass off. And what's going on? He's like, Oh my God, look out your window. And I look out and there's a busted TV on the, on the sidewalk. I'm like, you guys do that. And he's like, yeah. I was like, oh man. And then, uh, and then of course, like the next day, like the hotel was all pissed off and, and uh, it was just crazy. That was like just stuff like that. It was typical rock and roll 20 year old idiots just doing stuff, you know? There really is and something then, about throwing a TV out a window that it's it's like a rite of passage. It's like a I rock think that's rite why they passage. yeah I think that's why they did that. They're like, okay, it's we're on a rock tour. We got to do it. We got to do it. You know, we got to destroy a hotel room. We got to throw a TV out the window. You know, we can't say we've been on tour unless we've done it. But <laughs> but it was innocent. No one got hurt. But it, it was it was funny. Oh, that's so rad. Well, and and being on a tour with Deftones, obviously you've seen them play, and I mean prior to even touring with Deftones, you've seen them a ton of times. Yeah. Um, what, tell me about a, a show or a, a performance that you recall or um, any, any memorable experience that you've had while seeing Deftones. I love hearing about people's live experience or experiencing Deftones live. I mean, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's one of those, they're one of those bands that I've, 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 I think I've thought about this. I think I've seen Deftones more than any other band live in my life. Hands down. I've seen them more than any other band. Um, and I can't remember any really bad shows. Like, you know, I, there's been times there have been difficulties and, you know, maybe his voice wasn't hundred percent or whatever, but they've always put on an amazing show and their energy has always been there. Um, 
I mean, back in the day, it was full of energy, you know, and when we were all 19 years old and those guys were playing. It's like, you know, Chino's all over the place, diving into the crowd. You know, I mean, the, the, the 97 round the first tour we did, like Chino was on his, that's probably the best I've ever seen him. Like his voice was amazing. He was all over the place, jumping in the crowd, just jokes and like just having the best time of his life, you know, living his best life. Was, and then, and, and they were amazing every night. They were just killing it, you know? And I think that's why we had to play as hard as we did because we, you know, we weren't trying to show them up or anything, but we had to make sure that people remember who we were because that's how fire those guys were back then. It's like, if we don't give our all, people are not going to remember who opened up for them. You know, not, not even a, a blip, you know, people are like, who, how do I remember who opened up? You know, but now when people are like, Oh yeah, we'll even open up that show, you know? Um, because we had, we had to destroy it, you know, there was no way. So um, they kept us on our game, you know, and I think we were fortunate to, to them be kind of our mentors at the time, you know, cause it taught us a lot. And so, yeah, they're just, they were just always been an amazing band. I've never seen a bad show and their shows have been always great. And, you know, and they don't play to tr click tracks. They don't play to backing vocals or backing tracks or they are who they are and that they have a bad show. They have a bad show, but it's, it's organic, you know, it's not, not because their dat went down or something, you know, it's, it's, they're just, they're a real, a real band. And they, you can't say about a lot of bands these days, you know, but they are what they are and they're a real band. Um, I think my favorite show, going back to stories, this is a pretty funny story, is that, um, so halfway through that American tour, um, Far dropped off and Limp Bizkit got on. And so the last show of the, um, the, the one with Far was on, the last show they played was in Washington, D.C., and so, you know, at the, at the end of a tour, the opening band always gets pranked by the headliners. So Far got on stage and like none of those guys drank at the time. You know, they were all kind of straight edge. So Deftone thought it'd be a good idea to spike all their water with vodka. Oh my God. So they put all the, they put vodka in the water bottles and put them on stage. And then Far had no idea. So Sean turns around and takes a swig of, wa of water, thinks it's, thinking it's water, but it's pure vodka and he spits it out. And they wouldn't give them water. So those guys are just getting all pissed and like, and they screwed them. And I think they, they tuned their guitar. They detuned all their guitars and stuff. And so Far was all pissed off. And then uh, Deftones got on stage and then Far was like, you know what? We're going to let them have it. So I think, I think it was like right when engine number nine came on, like Far came out and they just basically threw, I, I don't know, they had dog food and somehow they got a bag of flour and like all kinds of shit and they just started throwing it all over deftones like deftones were covered in like flour it was flour all over the stage over the pa monitors and then abe was playing engine number nine and then chris robines run for far came up and tackled abe abe fell off the drum set in the middle of the song so they're they're wrestling on the ground while the deftones still trying to play engine number nine and then uh and then Chino looks over and like sees Abe and, and Chris wrestling. And he looks at me, he's like, go play drums. So I get up there and I finish engine number nine on drums. And I'm like trying to remember the song. And it was so funny. And then, and then it was just chaos. And then like Chino fellow and like, it was just, it was crazy. So it was like, that's one of the shows I'm like, I totally vividly remember everything that happened because I was just dying laughing the whole time. And then plus I got to play drums for Deftones, which was cool. But <laughs> Hell yeah, that's super cool. Oh my God. Is that on the internet? Is that, yeah, does that video so. exist? No, unfortunately like that tour, like there, I mean, the only video, like there was the big video cameras back then. So and no one brought those to shows, you know, and we didn't right. have phones back then. So a lot of that footage you can't 
I've seen a couple shows from that tour online, but it's, it's ones that were like professionally done at the club. Uh, but yeah, no, like, unfortunately no fan footage of it, which kind of sucks. I wish I could see some old footage, but. Oh my yeah, God, that around. would be priceless. Especially it'd be cool to just have that video of you playing drums with Deftones too. That'd be cool. I know, right? I know. It, it, was, it was pretty cool. I don't know if everybody knows I was playing drums. Everybody's all wrestling and like. <laughs> I know, covered in flower. Around. Yeah, flower. Yeah. Like. Oh, it's priceless. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I remember, um, I, I believe the Minneapolis stop uh, for that tour, it was Limp Bizkit and, and not far. Yeah, um, yeah, Limp Bizkit was... did the East Coast of us on that tour, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, we played cool. uh, first, first half on that tour. Yeah, yeah, you played the main room yeah. first half. Was that, how yeah. cool is that, right? That's so rad. <laughs> so great. It was funny, too, because like, we have a picture, that's a picture of it, is that, um, so first half, we had a park across the street at the uh, basketball arena. And um, so the Deftones bus was there and then we had this crappy motor like 1973 motorhome on that tour that we drove around in so we had the deftones bus and then our motorhome and then limb biscuit bus behind us and we took a picture of it. it's the funniest picture ever it's like these two nice buses and this shitty like breaking bad motorhome movie sandwich in between <laughs> us so funny um but yeah, better like than your playing... volkswagen bus though i guess right yeah it was, it was i guess apart from uh, that a <laughs> little bit yeah but yeah playing that place is so amazing just being there like purple rain you're like oh my god this is princess club it's pretty rad yeah yeah that's super cool wow yeah that's awesome um so every week michael rosenbaum is getting deep with someone new on the inside of you podcast let's get inside of shelly hennick so obliterated is on netflix mm -hmm. i had the best time that's it was great. challenging but it was like the show that doesn't runners. always happen everybody's trying to make a show and you're this not was a it's dream. no fun genuinely and if it beautiful. wasn't i would just keep my mouth shut and talk about something else like yeah, it like, was hey it was fine because yes. i've done that i've asked people and they're like you know yeah inside of you with michael rosenbaum wherever you listen oh uh be after after that tour um it, well let's see willhaven you guys sort of disbanded around what oh three ish or no you put out an album in oh three didn't you yeah so i mean kind of just rode that deftones wave a little bit like we uh we did all we did another record and then of course i mean doing that england that europe the whole european tour like it just put our name up there with like in the magazines and everything so every time we came out a new record you know we got great publicity and we did and i mean Stefan hooked me up with uh christian from fear factory so fear factory took us out on tour with them across europe and that helped you know as well totally. so we got some really good and then we did uh, we toured with slipknot um that same year we did fear factory in the u.s so we did some really good i mean all because of the deftones were really but, but i mean another funny story is that on that U.S. tour we did with Deftones, and around the first tour we played in Omaha, Nebraska, and um, Grady actually got sick. He had the flu, so he only did three songs on that show, and then um, he had to go to the hospital, but Chino came up and sang the rest of the set with us, so Chino sang for us for like half our set in Omaha. No and, way. Um, yeah, and so, uh, and then years later, kind of been like three years or two years later, I get a call from um, Gloria Cavalera uh, was our manager at the time. And she called me and she's like, Hey, Slipknot just called me and wants to take you guys on tour. I'm like, how do they even know who Will Haven is? Like, I, I, she's like, no, I don't know. They just got to show up in St. Louis. So we show up to St. Louis. I'm still, we're driving to St. Louis. I'm like, I don't know how Slipknot guys even know who we are. Like, I have no idea how we got this tour, you know, cause it was the first Slipknot record. They just started getting a bit of a buzz and, and, uh, and they asked us out. I'm like, why are they asking us out? So we get to the first show in St. Louis. And of course, I don't know who any of those guys look like because they, they were all had their masks on. 
and all their press photos. So I had no idea who was who. And I'm standing there and, and uh, this guy walks up to me and he's like, how are you in Woolhaven? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh, cool. I'm, I'm clown. I'm Sean. And I'm like, oh, nice. Great to meet you. Thanks for having us. And I was like, how did we get this tour? And he's like, well, I saw you guys on the Deftones tour in 97 when Grady sang and then Chino came up and sang with you guys. And he's like, I just became a fan ever since. And so I, me and Joey said, if we get a tour, we'd like to take Woolhaven out. So that's how you guys are here. I'm like, that's so crazy. Just from that one show, Bro. we ended up getting on a Slipknot tour. And Slipknot wasn't even, I mean, they were a band then, but they were just starting out. So for them to become who they were and then take us out on tour with them was like, that's another like Deftones connection that just blows my mind, you know? Wow. So it's just that's little, wild. yeah, it's little universe, universe things like that, that from the Deftones world, like we were able to capitalize on. And so, yeah, going back to your question, we did a couple records. And then after our third record, we basically kind of disbanded for a little while, you know, Grady mm-hmm. went off and went to college and stuff. And, and we were kind of burnt out, you know, because um, it takes a lot for us to do stuff because it's not our job. So we got to take yeah. time off work and, get a capital going to go on tour and it's, it's a lot of work. So we said, let's take a break for a while. So, I mean, that's a really, I mean, that's an almost a decade long run based off of sort of a, almost a whim, the way you describe it. Like it's almost, but you also yeah, said was, something too, that was that, that um, I wanted to ask you about their mentorship. Mm-hmm. So you, you probably had quite an, uh, like some conversations about performance, about just, music about playing music with with these guys is that is that fair to assume uh you know what we never really talked about that stuff i just witnessed i mean growing up with those guys i just witnessed witnessed it you know like um i mean because like you know when i met these guys they weren't who they are now you know they were still a garage band and still trying to figure find out what they wanted to sound like you know and then like when I met them, they just put out that Mike Linus um, cassette tape, you know. So and you know, bro, that's so sounds, wild. That's so crazy. Yes. So they, I mean, they're still they were still trying to learn their craft and like find out yeah. what they wanted to sound like. So I, just me observing like how how they were growing as a band, how they how Chino was growing as a singer, mm. you know, how Stefan's songwriting was evolving, and then when they added Frank, that was a whole other you know thing that they added in. And so I just saw them grow from day one. But I learned a lot of like what it took to to be in a band and keep your friendship going and you know look out for each other and and experiment and uh just keep plugging away you know because chino didn't really have a you know he didn't have a a job he didn't have he didn't have a car he didn't have he didn't have a lot going but music was his life you know and I mean, stuff too. It's like those guys basically just said, I'm going full on with this music thing and I'm, it's going to happen, you know? And so their dedication to it and their um, focus on it and how they wanted to get better. It was just always like inspiring to me, you know? And so I just, I think I didn't really, I just kind of, it was one of those things where I didn't need to talk. I just knew, you know, I observed everything, you know, and plus the far guys, I mean, the far guys were um, very well organized, knew exactly what they were doing you know, what knew what goals they wanted, you know? And so it was Deftones were kind of loosey goosey about things. They were just having fun, but far was more organized. So I got the best of both worlds. Like I would see a band that was just having fun with their friends. And then I saw a band that was more business-like. So I got the best of both worlds. And um, yeah, there was never talk about it, but just, I mean, I got to jam with those guys all the time. Like I, I've jammed with Chino a million times, Stefan a million times, with A a million times. So just being able to like play music with them, and, and like understanding 
how they do it. It was also a big school, you know, because they've always been amazing musicians. So just being able to jam with them was, is just kind of, you just kind of pick up on things, you know, I've never yeah. be as cool as those guys, but, <laughs> but you know, you will to be a part of it. Yeah, yeah. No, but that's really cool. And, and that's interesting too, that um, understanding that conversation came through music, you know what I mean? The mentorship and being able to witness it firsthand. That's pretty, that's pretty lucky, but also having the wherewithal and the understanding to like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to learn some shit from what I'm watching and not just do your own thing or do the rock star thing. I think, well, I'm going to start my band to be my, you know what I mean? Like that's, those are all to me, there's more than just the magic of the, the thing that happens. You know what I mean? That's a big thing when these, when the men get together and they make the sounds like that's obviously vastly, hugely important, but there's a lot of stuff in the universe going around them. You know what I mean? And I got lucky too, because, you know, when you have a favorite band, you kind of like, you kind of look up to them and you kind of figure out what they're doing. Like, I mean, I love like Pink Floyd. So David Gilmore is one of my all time is my God for guitar players. And so I, I, I kind of emulate him and some things I do and stuff, but back then Deftones of Far were kind of my favorite bands. So, I mean, I mean, not my only favorite bands, but they weren't my friends. I would still love them. And so I was admiring them as musicians too and, and looking up to them because they were my favorite band. If they were just some crappy local band, I probably wouldn't have the same, you know, like I wouldn't be into it as much, but just because I love their music so much, I'm like, Oh my God, these guys are fucking awesome. You know, I want to be like them. I want to sound like them. I want to, I want to learn from these guys, you know, cause they're, it's like learning from Michael Jordan. You know, it's like, I want to learn how to play also all I can, you know, it was one of those things. So it helped that they, they were awesome, you know, awesome bands. That's so cool, man. That's wild to think about. That's really interesting too, to think about that. Um, you're that you identified them as being again, like just so like your favorite, um, out the gate. That's, that's pretty yeah. wild. Do you have a favorite Deftones album? I, I like them for different reasons. I mean, I, I mean, I love, it's funny. because like when they go, when Abe says we're going to go write a new record, I get super excited because a, I have no idea what it's going to sound like. You know, I've known those guys for over 30 years. I still have no idea what they're going to put out. It could be something super left or it could be something what they've done before. I, I don't know, but I'm, I always get excited about it because it's going to be good. I just I know for a fact it's going to be good. So I always get excited and and they always they always come through. You know, I haven't had a record. I'm like, eh, I don't like that one so much. Or So I like them for different reasons because of the time era. You know, I mean. Adrenaline was a big thing for me because I was happy for them because they got signed. They put out a record and I knew, I know some of those songs are pretty old. So, but I was happy that they were finally like doing it. And they, you know, I was in the, in the board video. Um, so that was like, that was kind of like my, my first video of ever. My first real video was, it was the board video. So I'm like, just being a part of that. I'm like, okay, this is, this is rad, you know? So that has some kind of nostalgia to me of that record. And around the fur, of course, was like I lived my whole life around that record. I mean, my whole life was based based on that record. You know, as far as me touring, and I heard those songs every single night. And that record means a lot to me. Um, and but I love them all. And White Pony, of course. When I heard White Pony, I was like, oh my god, you guys just went way out there, and it's such a beautiful record. And I remember calling Chino on the phone when I got that, and I was like, dude, this record is amazing. Like I, I'm floored, you know. Um, and how does he respond to that how does he respond to you being like dog that yeah, was that was that was some wild shit yeah he's like cool thanks bro <laughs> 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 no he's appreciative of it you know and I, but 
it, I'm sure he gets it from everybody, you know, like, Word. um, he's very, he's a very humble person, you know, um, and, you know, he's very, he's very kind hearted and he, he does appreciate what you say. He might not, you know, he might not get the same reaction you would think he would, but he's very, he takes it into heart and he understands what you're saying, you know, and he's a very kind hearted guy. And, um, so yeah, he appreciates it for sure. And I would have only done that on a couple of records, you know, like that was one of them. I'm just blown away. And then Ohms, I think for me as a fan, I, I love Ohms. Like, um, it's just something very special about that record where it's just very, it's them, but it's very uh, spacey. It's just, it's on another level, you know? And, and, um, I mean, of course I came out during COVID. So like when I hear that record, I, I think of being locked up in my house, which I was, but that record gave me an escape, you know, and I'm happy that it came out when it did, because just as that they intended, you know, they wanted to people list that kind of get away from what was going on in the world. And it did. I sat in my house and I listened to it like four times in a row, just thinking, wow, this record is amazing. And from front to back, it's, it's beautiful. And so, and I, that's like, I, well, actually I uh, emailed Chino or message him or something. Hey man, is this, your vocals and this record is absolutely amazing, you know? And, uh, but yeah, I, I really love that record. And I mean, Sergio's bass playing on that record. Ugh. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like it's so good. So, um, but I think everybody just killed it on that record, you know, from Steph to Chino to Abe to, to Serge, you know, even Frank, Frank had a big part of that record too. So as a collaborative, that record is definitely, I think up there right now in my, Deftones top. I I sometimes get work because I I heap praise on it. Like I I love like love 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 ohms. <laughs> um, and sometimes I question myself and I'm like, is it the recency? Like, is it the fact that it's the newest one? Is that why I get so excited? But um, hearing you describe it and the things that you're saying reaffirm my position. Like I I really do think it's their best album. Like I think it's they're all at the forefront. There's something that feels like, um, um, like Deftones at their, um, fullest form. Like they're, they're just, you know what I mean? Like there's no, there's no place that they can't go now. You know what I mean? There's just, they can do whatever they want to with the sounds and make it come together into this thing. Like that's, that's just expert. You know what I mean? Yeah, to me, it's like they, they took their sound and pushed it even further with albums, you know, because I mean, it's, it's always, always amazing when they come out of record. It's something it's it's Deftones, but there's always something new about it. And with Ohms, it's like they kind of just did it almost it's like they jumped two levels instead of one. Like, you <laughs> yeah, know, we're going to make totally. we're going to write amazing riffs. We're going to put these beautiful things over it. I mean, and Chino's singing is just his lyrics and his singing on that record, he hits every melody perfect. Like you can't change. I wouldn't change anything that he sings on that record. It's, it's, he nailed it. He fucking absolutely nailed it. And, and he's a big part of that band. You know, it's like that music is very complicated to sing over. You know, it's not easy to sing that kind of stuff. And a lot of people just scream over the whole thing, you know, Word. but he finds his, his places and he finds where he needs to be and he hits it. He fucking hits it. And so uh, he, for me, I, he just nailed it on this record, but everybody did. Yeah, it's because there's no there's no weak point in this in that record. But like I said, they never put out a bad record. I love them all. I love Saturday Night Wrist. I love Saturday Night Wrist. I mean, Hole in the Earth. I love that song. You know, um, I mean, Diamond Eyes, amazing. Like, I, 
mean, all of them. I mean, even there's some, I mean, they get a lot of stuff about gore, but I actually really enjoy gore. And there's some, some of my favorite songs that they've done around that record. So, um, couldn't agree yeah. more. I love Acid Hologram. Acid Hologram does not get enough love. Uh, Infamante, yeah. Doomed User, all that. Yeah. I love big, well, big gore fan. What was cool about that record is they, they weren't, they tried to push it again, you know, like they were trying to push an envelope and try to see where they could go with their sound. And, um, it's not easy to do. There's a lot of bands that do that and they just fall flat on their face, you know, and, and Deftones, they tried something new and, and they didn't settle for doing anything else. They're just, they keep pushing. And that's what I love about that band. That's another thing I've learned about them is like, just keep pushing, keep trying to do something new with your sound. Don't put the same thing out, you know, and it, you know, people may give you shit for it, but Hey, it's, it's you, you know, do what you want to do, do you, you know? And, and that's, that's um, a concept album, right? Like there's, that's, that's a, that's a different, that record kind of stands alone. Which one? Uh, gore. And, and they, they had an agenda. I know a lot of times they say, oh, well, we, we get together and we make the music and we, we jam and it's organic and then we piece it together and make something there. But I feel like with Gore, there was something else that that was that they were trying to achieve with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And from, from what I understand, you know, I think Chino had a lot, a big part of songwriting in that one. Um, I mean, from what I've heard from Steph, you know, some I, I don't I wasn't around when they wrote that, you know, hearing some interviews with Steph or whatever. He, he didn't have a huge part in that. And which is which is fine because Chino is an amazing songwriter. Um, and I think you like you said, I think Chino was definitely probably trying to experiment with a lot of different things, you know, which he should. He's a songwriter. He's an artist. You know, you should. And yeah, I mean, not to say it Gorge is terrible. It's an amazing record. But, you know, it's maybe Chino had something that he was going for at the time and and was looking to, to expand their their sound you know and and he i mean look at the stuff Chino's done with team sleep and crosses i mean the, both those bands especially crosses i mean that band is so amazing so he's got a lot under his belt now he's got a lot of you know a lot of experience and a lot of music and a lot of things that he could put into deftones you know to make that band even better you know so it's one of those times where he's probably like you know what I, i'm gonna try this and i like it and I mean, and his guitar playing is really good on that record too. He's done some really cool stuff on that record, guitar-wise. That that really cool, I and mean, with some of the melodies that he's done. So and it's all part of growing, you know. And and that guy, he's a busy guy. He does a lot of stuff, and but he incorporates all of it into what he does. And he's and he's I put him up there with Mike Patton, you know. Like he's one of those dudes that can do anything and make it sound fucking amazing, you know. Yeah, yeah, you're you're preaching to the choir. As far as I'm concerned, like there's nobody else that I know in, in my life who has more impacted my musical, you know, tastes, my oh, yeah. my interests musically. Like there's there's only one person who has as much impact or and has had as profound an impact on my, the way I consume music, what I consume. It it, yeah, it all goes back to that dude. We could probably name on our hand how many amazing like singers, like unique singers there are, you know. I mean, Chino's one of them. There's Chino and Mike Patton and, of course, Perry Farrell. And there's those bands, that, especially out in the 90s, that there's just there's singers that are just unique in their own voice, their style, you know, and you can't they can't be duplicated, you know. And they can make anything sound good, you know, like Perry with Chains Addiction, Pointer from Pyros, and Mike Patton with everything he's done, with Bungle and Faith No More, and then Chino with Crosses and Deftones. It's like there's not a lot of singers that can pull all that off, you know. They get another band and they just don't sound good or it's it's not the same but i mean everything they do strike is gold you know it's it's crazy were, were you in uh contact with chino when he was going through his vocal stuff when he had the the issues he had he had to have like a surgery or something too right 
Yeah, no, they were on tour when all that happened. Um, so I, I, uh, I think that was the, the self-titled record, I think. Um, they, they were on tour when all, I think all that went down. I think that they were on the Conan O'Brien show is when he had like a major issue with it. And they almost didn't even do that show, I don't think. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I heard about it, but I, you know, of course, and they were in New York and I was in Saks. So I, I didn't get to talk to him, whatever. But, um, but from what I remember, I don't think it lasted too long. I don't think, I don't know. For me, I don't think there was ever a threat that he would like not sing i don't know um, oh word oh okay not until recently i think i saw um a video of them at conan where he was kind of having that's when he had his major issue with it you know but um but i mean it's it's a lifestyle thing you know it's like you got to take care of your body and especially for him because he's such a energetic guy and sings and screams and you know i think he learned a lesson that you got to kind of just you got to that's your instrument and you got to take care of it and um you can't smoke, you can't drink all you want to. And we're getting older. You got to take care of your instrument. And so it might've been a good lesson for him, you know, because I think ever since then, he's definitely taken good care of himself and he's, you know, he's slowed down and he's kind of more like aware of like where his, what his moneymaker is, you know, it's his voice. Yeah. And no his, doubt. His songwriting. Right? So, so yeah, I mean, sometimes you gotta, shit happens and you learn from it and he has, and um, yeah. Sucks. It was, it was <laughs> such a singular, you know what I mean, instrument, really. It it the demand of that. Um, so that's why I ask. Yeah. Like, that's why I'm curious. It's like, you know, I, I wonder all the time. I would be in his ear all the time. I was like, dog, how are you what are you doing? Like, how are you well, how are you doing that? <laughs> yeah. It's funny, it was like when he would time when he would smoke, and he smokes cigarettes for a little bit, and I was like, dude, what are you doing? Don't fucking do that. You know, I don't think I ever said that to him, but I was something hell like, have such an amazing voice. Don't like don't smoke, dude. Like Please, I, bro. I always thought that my mind, like, don't fuck that up, dude. Like, you're you're fucking one of a kind, dude. Wow, that's so cool. Um, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but was it the benefits for Chi that sort of reignited Wellhaven that got the guys, uh, that got you and Grady back to it? We uh, actually, we got back together in 06. And then we wrote a record, um, but Grady... Um, was in the band for a minute, but then he kind of left again. Um, so we actually had our friend Jeff Jaworski finish that record for us. And we, uh, and then we went on tour with Deftones on that tour. So that was a 2006 Saturday Night Wrist tour. We went to Europe with them for a few weeks or like a month, maybe. And then uh, after that, that's when they started, uh, maybe tour for a little longer than they, then they started working on Euros. And then that's when she had his accident. Um, and then after she had his accident, you know, I called up Grady and I was like, Hey, uh, you know, we should probably do some shows. Um, his, I went and hung out with his cheese mom and I was asking her how the family was getting to and from the hospital. And she's like, Oh, I don't know. We're trying to like scrounge money to get his brother and sister here or whatever. And I was like, well, I think we could do a benefit show in Sacramento and, and raise a little bit of money just for the family to travel for his family to travel back and forth. Cause it's, it was pretty expensive. Um, so that was kind of the initial thing is just kind of do something for his, not, you know, not for, um, anything, but just for his family so they can have travel money to get back and forth to the hospital. Um, and then, you know, Grady's like, yeah, I'm down, let's do this. So that's kind of like, and then we did a couple shows and stuff. We did one in San Francisco and then one in LA and then the Deftones did their big one in LA, which we did as well. So yeah, it was kind of, I mean, Grady was already kind of feeling, um, being back in the band, but the cheat thing definitely like united us again they're like okay let's let's do this again you know I, and uh, as just chino and those guys have said in a lot of interviews that 
you know, when something like happens to a friend and especially a bandmate, you're like, whoa, okay, like this isn't, you know, what we have here is something very special. You know, we can't find a lot of band members that we can do this with. And, and, uh, you know, Grady's been my best friend since fifth grade. So it's, it's like, okay, it kind of woke us up like, oh, let's do this. Let's do this together. Like we're having fun. We love each other. We've been knowing each other forever. Like, let's just, just go rock out. You know, that's what she would want. That's what we would want, you know? Um, so we just kind of just decided to just keep going and, and keep playing together. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a big wake up call, you know, and it's, uh, it, it was a shitty situation, but we're, you know, everybody's trying to make the best of it. Can you tell me, a a, a fun chi anecdote or story, uh, or even just a fun thing about chi, anything fun about chi? Oh man. I, I love chi. Like he was, uh, he was one of those guys. He like, like I would go to a Deftones, any practice or Deftones show or whatever. He'd be the first one to come up, give me a big hug. You know, when he hugged you, it was like you felt it. You know, like he really loved. When you were there, he felt like you were the only guy in the room. You know, and he's very engaging, very warm, um, just the sweetest guy in the world. I mean, I would love. I just really love going to backstage Deftones show just to see Chi. You know, just to get him see a smile and his hug and hear him crack jokes. He's the funniest dude I've ever met. Like he's so funny. Um, but he could also be a terror too. He'd get this nice where he'd just be crazy and, you know, break stuff. And you would didn't want to be in his way when he was, when he was crazy. And, but that's why we loved him so much. Cause he was just such a, a unique force of nature, you know? Um, I think, but this is, it's kind of a touching story in a way that we, when we did that tour in 2006 um, on that Saturday night wrist tour, um we uh our last show with them was in uh amsterdam and and lance was with us on this tour too lance was playing guitar with us on this tour and um we uh got we were at the venue and we're all hanging out kind of in the back of the venue and she walks up and he's like hey i got you guys a present and so he gives us all these boxes like everybody in the band a box we open up and it's these like really nice like switchblades these knives and basically he just said, you know, like, he's like, Hey, I wanted to get you guys a present. He's all, you know, I can't always protect you guys, but you know, if I can't, you guys can use these knives. At least he can protect you. <laughs> and I was like, and we were like laughing. I was like, that's so cheap. Like buy his knives, you know, he had a big knife collection and stuff. And it was just so sweet of him. And like buy everybody in the band, this beautiful knife. And it was kind of like a going away present, you know, like, thanks for coming on tour with us. You know, you guys, you know, we love you, your boys, you know? And then, you know, that was the last show we ever played with. She was that show that he gave us that present. So it's like, I don't know, it was something universe. Like he was just like letting us know that he's always with us and always going to protect us, you know, and I still have the knife in my drawer or right here, you know, like next to me all the time. So he's always with me, you know, I always have him. I just always hold him, And I know that, you know, he touched that knife and gave it to me. And, um, but yeah, that's just, that's how he was, you know, he was just such a beautiful spurt person and uh, just a fucking badass bass player. I used to love watching Chief play bass and, my favorite thing about Deftones, especially back in the early days, they did this a little bit when they toured, when they first started touring, but they would really do it when they played local shows is that him and Chino would just go back and forth and just bag on each other and talk shit to each other and then talk shit to the crowd. And it was like, there was a comedy act within the band, within the show that was just so funny that I used to love going to shows and watch them like go at each other. And it was just, it was, it was done out of love, but it was just so funny, like how they would just bag on each other. And I, I, I love that. I miss that part of the show. Oh, that's so rad. Yeah. I feel like I feel like um so there's this uh McDonald's show that 
I've been obsessed with for many, many years. And, you know, Chino still mentions it when they come to Minneapolis, like we played in a McDonald's parking lot here. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's, um, and you see some of that at that show where they're like going at oh, each other. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's that little, and it's, it's fun to think about that being, you know, sort of their shtick for, for years and years up to that. That's cool. There's, there's a video of them. I die laughing every time I see it. There's a video of them playing the warp tour, I believe. And they're probably like three or four songs into their set. And <laughs> And then Chino's like goes over to Chi and he's like, they're kind of like bouncing up and down together. And then he looks over at Chi and Chi is wearing the same exact outfit Chino is. They're both wearing a white shirt and khaki dickies. And Chino looks over and he's all, damn, motherfucker, you wearing the same shit I am. Like they had no idea they were wearing the same clothes. So they were on stage. Like, and Chino looks and he's all, damn, motherfucker, jack my clothes. It was so funny the way he said it. Like they didn't realize they were wearing the same thing. I was, I, I was dying laughing when I saw that. But that's how they were. They were just like in the middle of a song, Chino would just have to come up with something like that. It's so funny. Oh, that's rad. That's yeah. Super rad. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, I've kept you for for close to an hour and a half. I want to ask you the question that I I ask everybody towards the end of the conversation, and it's inspired by something that Chino said on a podcast, which is um, that he only tweets out uh, links to songs that he likes because uh, yeah, I see him all the time. Yeah. He, <laughs> they they are they are no small thing. It's it's definitely a big deal for both I think the artists who get tweeted out um and then uh for fans. I think there's like Spotify playlists built around them and and podcast segments. Uh so um in in the spirit of uh putting me onto something new, can you can you uh, toss me a recommendation or, or three uh things to check out, things that um that you think are are worth people giving a little bit of time to um well i could be well i'll start off with this with this thing um there's a show that i've been into um the last five years actually rick Kosick got me into it um it's a show called kill tony and it's on youtube and it's probably the funniest live podcast you'll ever watch in life word um and it's, it's not PC at all, which is awesome because in this world we live in now where everything's cancel culture, like they get away with anything. And it's like going back to your childhood when you just talk shit to your friends, the funniest thing you'll ever watch. It'll, it comes out every Monday and it'll make your whole week. So it's, it's called Kill Tony, K-I-L-L, and T-O-N-Y. It's um, Tony uh, Hinchcliffe, the comedian, and he hosts it. Um, and then I, I guess... Uh, you know, it's funny because I don't watch any like TV shows or yeah, I listen to a few podcasts, but um, I guess I could recommend that if people don't know, um, when Will Haven kind of broke up for a while, we did a, a, a new band called Ghost Ride and um, it's on Spotify and it's me and Ray from 10 Fed and the rest of the guys in Will Haven, I believe. And there's only like maybe I think you like 300 monthly listeners, but uh, it's a really good record and i try to like let people know that it's out there you know they can check out and it's 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 it sounds like little haven deftones z kind of stoner rock stuff but it's 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 good and uh, we actually were working on a new record now that we'll put out eventually but word um i try to put people onto that because they have no idea that that even exists you know but it's a great record and, and uh, I, I encourage people to go check it out ghost ride uh, you said yeah ghost ride yeah yeah it's on spotify um other than that, I don't know. Uh, I've just been like just kind of hold up in my little Willhaven world for the last couple of years. We're on this record, so well. Uh, so you got the the new song coming in a, in a couple of weeks or so. What about the album? Do you got a, a release date in mind? 
I, I think early next year. So January, February, hopefully. Um, we are working with a, a label called Minus Head. That's our friend Brad. It's like his own independent label. And so it's kind of up to him when he wants to do it, but we're trying to think early next year. Um, just to, I don't know. I don't, I don't, we don't have any big plans after that, but but I, I wanted to slowly leak it out um, songs here um, one at a time. Just, you know, it's like that day age where people, when you put a whole record out, people kind of listen to it and forget about it. So shove it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'd like to put out a single and people listen to it for a while. And then maybe a couple months, put another single out. Like, oh, is there something new out again? It's just kind of keep the ball rolling. Cause we put so much time into this album. I don't, I don't want to put down people like, all right, yeah, it's cool. I heard it. <laughs> That's cool though. I like that. I, I appreciate that, that approach. I mean, it's like, we'll put all this time into this. You can take this time with this song. I think that's, yeah, totally. think that's, like, that's fair. And plus the, and people like pay attention to that one song. Cause we're in a record. You might skip a song or you like, you'll hear the singles and then turn it off. So it's this way, like every song will get attention it deserves, but we'll see. Um, we'll see what happens, but that's smooth. Yeah. Well, when, when yeah. uh, we should, um, cause I host a metal show here in Minneapolis too. So it would be cool to get you uh, maybe if you, if you would like to join us, we usually, um, or occasionally we'll have uh, guests come on the show and host with us. And we just will record it in advance over zoom like, like this. And, awesome. uh, cut a couple breaks and play a couple songs have you pick a couple songs that sort of thing it'd be it'd be awesome. fun yeah, yeah i love that i mean i love uh, i love talking music it's one of my favorite things to do so I'm, yeah, I'm down anytime i'm down man i put your shit on the radio man i play that shit i'm like you know what Th- these these are the, some songs these are some jams i always like people talk about um you know far obviously and uh, occasionally people will be like dredge and dredge came mm-hmm. along a little bit later and i and definitely i gave them uh, some of my time but i'm always like will haven bro that shit that shit was <laughs> that shit is heavy el diablo yeah. I, I listened to el diablo today actually just you know for fun because i knew i was going to talk to you i was stoked and i was like god damn this shit still hits dude this shit yeah still that's 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 awesome yeah it's funny because like we we had no idea what we were doing at the time we were just like writing songs and didn't even know what it was going to sound like and it just happened to like come out that way you know and uh i mean and luckily i mean chino loved it too and that's kind of how we he kind of took us under his wing, like, all right, you guys are ready to, to, to you know, show the world this record, you know? And so it's, uh, yeah, it was a blessing. You know, that whole record was kind of started off for us. It was just a blessing. It's just rad to hear it in the car for me. You know what I mean? Like, I just put it on, <laughs> like, ah, yeah, that shit just thumps. No, that's, that's super awesome. cool. Um, yeah, no, I really appreciate this, man. Uh, um, a couple more things just before I let you go, because that was the last question officially for the podcast, but a couple more just administrative and sort of sort of thing. The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. This is one of the all-time best pieces of advice ever given on the show. Actor Rain Wilson. The number one thing that psychologists point to with young people of why they are struggling so much in this mental health epidemic is they don't have resilience. So how do you build resilience if you don't understand suffering itself? The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen. Are there any other like stories or anecdotes or things we should offer a little bonus time, things you want to share, things you don't want to make sure you don't forget? Um, um, I don't par- know. Uh, parting, parting shots. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I'm stoked you're doing this because like I, a lot of people, especially when you're interviewing like friends of theirs and stuff, people know them because, you know, a lot of people just know them as Deftones. They don't know them as individuals and like how, how humble and sweet people they are and how they're so grounded and there's no ego in those guys whatsoever i mean you go up talk to them they're gonna be 
exactly how they are where they were 30 years ago, you know? Um, cool. And I know they've had, you know, issues in the band was one thing I'd like to say too, is like Fred um, is an awesome guy. You know um, I know a lot of people like pay a lot of paying attention to Sergio and his departure and everything, what happened with that. But um, I don't know what the future with Fred is with that band, but uh, Fred is an awesome dude. Like I love Fred to death. He's such a sweet guy fits that band perfectly as far as like, you know, personality and attitude and his work ethic, you know, um, I hope they, I hope he stays around. Um, but if people are freaked out about Sergio leaving, like Fred's is an awesome dude. I didn't, I didn't know Sergio too well. Um, we never got that. I never got that close to him because he lived in New York, of course, and I lived in Sac, so he wasn't around very much, but um, but I got to hang out with Fred a few times this year, um, at a couple shows and stuff. And he's, he's an awesome dude. I love that guy. So he's a great fit for us. So any Deftones fans are like worried about that. Like he's, he's gelling with the guys really well. Um, there's a very good, he's brought a very good spirit to the band. Like they're very, they're, they're happy and they're in a good spot. Um, I, they seem to be all friends again. So, um, and Fred, I think had a little bit of a part to do that. You know, he walked in and, and made that, that whole camp a little bit calmer because it got really bad for a while and uh but he's he came in there and smoothed it out so um i'd like to say that because fred's a really rad dude um and i don't think he's getting any attention at all you know he's kind of like oh he's a feeling bass player but um but he brought a lot of a lot of what they needed at the time um for all the chaos that was going on um do you know how he joined the band uh through wedge actually um so I, th- I think Chino had called Wedge. Now you interviewed Wedge, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, Wedge is awesome. Uh, Wedge, he called Wedge and said, hey, I think Sergio's out. He's, you know, he's quitting or whatever, and, and uh, we're looking for a bass player. And Wedge said, hey, you should try my friend Fred out. Because uh, Fred was in Marilyn Manston um, and a couple other bands. So him and he knew Wedge really well. So Wedge said, hey, I'd try Fred out. He's a great dude. You know? And Word. actually, Fred is from the San Jose, which is right up the street from SAC. And I guess Fred used to come to cattle club shows all the time and watch Deftones back in the day. So he Get already knew. Out. No yeah, way. Told, yeah. I didn't know this either. He told me this like last time I saw him and he's like, yeah, dude, that was a big part of the Sacto scene, but you know, I didn't know anybody. And so he, he's kind of like, he is like kind of a homie a little bit, you know, wow. he's, he was around. So, so yeah, Wedge hooked him up and, uh, and uh, cause and Wedge is from San Jose too, I think. So, uh, so yeah, Wedge just gave, it was funny because uh, Fred said that I asked Fred the same question. I was like, Hey, uh, How'd you get the, how'd you, how did you get in touch with the guys? And the old wedge called me and, or no, so Chino called wedge wedge. like, Hey, call my boy Fred and said, and so Fred got a random text from Chino and said, Hey, you, uh, you want to jam? And Fred thought it was a joke, you know? Um, Fred was like, Oh, what Chino? Like what? And then, and then, he's like, and then he's, number is this? Yeah, totally. He's like, <laughs> uh, and then, yeah. And then he, and then Chino's like, Oh yeah, sure. And she's all right, show up come to LA and, and, and jam with us. And so he walked in and just started like kind of jamming with them. And that was, that was it really. So it was kind of very, very easy, you know, but, um, but yeah, Wedge hooked him up with that. So that's tight. That's, yeah, tight. that's, that's cool. so crazy. What a, what a small, I mean, small world truly for him to, yeah, right? be a, wow. Like that's, that's nuts. Yeah. Be a, be a fan. And then like for years and all of a sudden you're like in the band, you know, it's, yeah, it's pretty, yeah, pretty nuts. dude. That's yeah. super nuts. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, uh, 
shit that that threw me off because I had something else lined up that I wanted. To ask. <laughs> you know, I was like, holy shit, that's that's crazy shit. Actually, it probably was. Uh, the question was probably going to be who who else should I talk to? Sounds like I need to talk to Fred. I've actually exchanged some messages with him uh, oh, really? just over just over IG. Like it was fun. <laughs> so like when the when everything sort of started to happen publicly, um, uh, I was asking a lot of the questions. I was like, who's you know? Yeah, who's we were too. Who's yeah, the we new bass too. player? Deftones, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, me and, me and Lopez were going back and forth. I'm like, who was going to be like, I don't know, man. And like, it was funny. Yeah. That's, that's wild. I mean, that's wild to think about, especially given the fact that it was probably widely known within the industry, I guess, or within inner circles, maybe, um, that they were looking for somebody. Um, but then when it became sort of public that it, that it was happened, it was like a really like, whoa, whoa, what's, what's going on. But he was already right there. It sounds like he was already ready to go. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah. Well, he was a Manson and then he left Manson and he was doing uh, a couple of just like a local band, I think. Uh, nothing big. Um, so, yeah, he was kind of just just yeah. waiting around. And then, yeah, he just happened. And then Wedge just kind of hooked him up with it. And he walked in there. That's um, you know, as Deftones, too, it's like it's more about a lot of it's like personality. You know, like uh, if you if you go in there and you don't gel with the guys, it doesn't matter if you're Gless Claypool, you're not going to be in the band. So it's, Word. it's really about personality. And if you can kick it with the dudes and like be cool and have that swag, you know, and, and Fred has that. He's totally, he's totally chill. He's a cool guy. He's mellow. Um, so that was probably, they walked in and they started talking and he's like, Oh, I'm San Jose. And like, Oh shit. Okay. You're, you're down, you know, you're cool. So, um, yeah, it, 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 he's a good fit, you know. I'm going to start I, I telling people I'm from San Jose. That's what I'm yeah, going right. to start <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, he's a good fit. So, yeah, I mean, if you got him on there, it'd be cool. Because he has such a – I mean, that boy's got some stories, like, with being in, with Manson. And I don't know how much he'll tell with being in Manson, but he's had a pretty crazy uh, few time, a few years um, now yeah, being in Deftones. And, like, yeah, and this – and especially being on this tour, because now with Stefan not going and stuff, I mean – there's probably a lot of stuff. I, I don't know a lot of ins and outs um, with all that, you know, but yeah. Yeah. But it's yeah, a different, it probably, it's just a different chat. It's like a, the, the most different chapter in the band's history for sure. Yeah. And it, it, it sucks. Cause like not the most tumultuous by any means, uh, you know what I mean? But um, yeah. I, different. I, yeah. It is different. Cause you know, Steph is, Steph is Deftones. I mean, he started the band. It's it, he writes majority of the stuff. He is, he's Steph, you know, he's the dog, you know, he's, he's, He's the dude, you know? So, um, but I understand is where he was coming from. I talked to him about it extensively about his decisions and stuff. And I totally supported it and, you know, and he's got to do what's right for him, you know, and Lance was a, as a good fit, you know, um, he can pull it off. You know, I don't know. I just don't know what their future, like what their future plans are. Like, I haven't really talked to the guys about that, but, um, but I, I mean, Steph will be there. If they do us stuff, Steph will definitely be there. But um, as far as overseas, I, I don't know where if where his head's at if he's gonna <laughs> do yeah. any of that again. But I, I heard the grapevine they they're you know they're working on new music and stuff. So um, yeah, it's it is what it is. And like I said, they're they're gonna make it happen. You know, they'll they'll f- figure out a way. Like I said, we have enough friends and shit that they can, they can pull it off. You know? <laughs> yeah, so. I I don't doubt for a second that anybody would. Um... You know, they would. Everybody certainly, I'm sure, overseas is disappointed not to see him, not to get to see him. But, um, you know, it's at some point they're going to be old. I think they're going to be old and making music and not really able to tour and do what they do. You know what I mean? Like bands get old. Like they just yeah. They, I mean, they they could be well. They're in a good position now. They're kind of that Metallica <laughs> stage where they could like 
they could basically just play just randomly. You know, they can just show up somewhere and sell out uh, an arena or, you know, a big theater or something like that. No problem. They don't have to do these year long tours that they used to have to do. You know, they're big enough now where they can, they can pick their spots. So they could do a whole record and then like, all right, we're going to do three weeks or a week in Texas, or we're going to do one show in New York, you know, or so they're in a good spot now where if they just want to like not do it full, full time, you know, they have that option now, which, which is really cool for them. They've, they've deserved it. You know, they've worked their ass off for fucking how many years, you know? And so they're in the spot now where they, they can make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. And as long as the music keeps coming, you know what I mean? That's that's what I get excited. Yeah. About. Yeah. And I, I don't think they'll ever stop playing music. I think those guys are lifers. You know, that's what I so. that's what I mean. Like, I really do think that they you know, they might not be demanded to tour the world over, you know, 160 dates or yeah. whatever. But yeah, if, they, if they can keep making keep cranking out the hits for me, that's that's, that's good. Yeah, enough. I, I think they will, because those guys like <laughs> they, they love playing music so i can't see them like well i don't want to play anymore they're not like that that's there it's in their buds and their dna and like they'll they'll i think they're gonna play make music for another 10 years at least probably yeah 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 and yeah and if they keep uh, cranking out albums at a couple few year clip that's all right that's that's like yeah. three three four more albums that's good I'm yeah good and, and, and what's cool is i think if they don't tour as much they can actually sit down and work on just music and i would be a like really curious what they could come up with if they just like sat and just worked on like if they took the Willaven route and did a four-year or three-year break and just right. worked on music and just chop it up and hash it up and cut it and go with a fine comb like True. i mean our our record is way better now than it was when it started so right. if they just instead of just going in there and writing a song and recording it and then chino doing his vocals they just sat there and like all right let's record something let's just go over it let's tear it apart let's put it back together let's do this let's do it and i they would make some crazy shit <laughs> yeah dude that's super interesting to think about that's really interesting yeah. to think about i'd love I, to see that i'd love to, see to do that i see what is elevated in the rest of the stuff the like the with the art and um with with respect to ohms like everything everything they had time to elevate it and they had time yeah. to so so seeing if that like if that's the output it's like take the time you need you know what i mean but at yeah, the same I mean, time play shows i want to see the shows yeah they'll always do shows but i think it's cool you're gonna do bigger like the deftones daily deftones coming up and that's kind of a one-shot thing but it you know sold out in fucking like what a day you know and it's like just the only show they're playing for the rest of the year so people are like oh, i'm gonna go see it you know? I know so they they can do it they can totally pull that off and It'd be it'd make an event out of it, you know. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It's it's a can't miss for sure. So so yeah. um, so the question was like, who who else should I talk to? Who else who else should I talk to? Who who would be fun? I mean, you've listened to the podcast, and I'm I'm super excited to um, have some more fan conversations uh, in the upcoming season because there's some really cool like diehard fans who who I think have some great stories. But who do you think who who else do you think would be interesting to speak with? Try um, to think. Like, I mean, you had Jonah and Sean. Those are good ones. Uh, I'm trying to think of our circle of friends. Did you uh, talk to Todd? Uh, I don't know if Todd would say much. I've thought about asking Todd. I've thought about reaching out to Todd, but I didn't know because because there is a certain line like um, that I want to be respectful of. Like, I don't want it to be too much about their personal lives. You know what I mean? I, I, like, I, it's great to hear these stories about these great men and knowing that they are cool dudes. Mm -hmm. um but i also want to be respectful and not be like like it does seem sort of like over the line even to ask ming like i, I don't want to get too personal like it's because he's his but at the same time he was there so it does make sense 
And Ming has a lot of good stories. I think it would be, it would be a fun interview. Um, and he, I think he would tell some pretty good fucking stories. <laughs> I don't think he'd hold back too much. Um, yeah, Ming would be cool. Uh, uh, I mean, I mean, I say Todd, I mean, Todd, yeah, Chino was his best friend forever and they've been through a lot together and, and he knows Chino inside and out. Um, but you know, yeah, you're right. He does know a lot of personal stuff about Chino. Um, but I mean, they started team sleep together and stuff that and that yeah. always kind of, and that was always, that's all our circle friends too. That's like my, some of my best friends are in team sleep. So well, I, like, I asked, I reached out to crook and he was like, I think he just like gave me a thumbs up, but he wasn't yeah. like trying to really yeah. do it. But yeah, yeah, I mean that, cause that team sleep project is, I hold that in very high esteem. Um, yeah. So if any of those, if you think any of those guys would be willing to, to rap with me, I definitely, I mean, I think, I think maybe Todd would, I mean, that he hasn't been, he's not really in their world anymore. He's kind of just, it does his own thing. So I don't know um, if what, how much you would say. Um, Knowing hmm. about that team sleep time though, having conversations about the, the, the team sleep album, yeah. the, the music, God, that, oh, that yeah. whole, that whole thing is so oh, magical. Yeah. And, it's just magical. Todd, Todd would be the perfect guy. Cause Todd started that band. That was Todd's brainchild. And, um, and it's funny because like Todd asked me to be in that band when he started working on Word. it. Yeah, he's like, "Hey, I'm, let's, let's do this. Let's do this project together." And he showed me like a, a lot of the early demos and stuff. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. I thought he was just screwing around. I didn't think he was serious about it, so I didn't really take him too serious. But oh, um, man. but yeah, he he started it, and then you know, of course, he just it was it was more his baby baby project. And then um, I think just being friends with Chino, he's like, "Hey, do you." Or Chino heard it, maybe like heard some demos Todd had done, and Chino's like, "Hey, let me sing on this." That's kind of how always Chino does it. You know, he hears something, he's like, "Hey, let me let me sing on this." You know, so Todd's like, "Yeah, sure." You know, so and then Chino kind of kind of put the rest of the band together. But so it was basically it was Todd's baby, and then Chino kind of just took it over and made it his. But um, which I think Todd was fine with, you know. But uh, but yeah, that was that was more of an escape for Chino at the time, you know, with the Deftones going to a little Saturday night wrestling and, and them not getting along and, and Chino just kind of being in a bad spot. I think that yeah. team sleep was like his escape. Like, all right, I'm going to go Deftones for a while. I'm going to go hang with. Cause like I said, team sleep was all, is all our closest friends, you know? So it was very good for him to get away, be with his, you know, his friends and being a band, but being a band with his, his best friends and, and not worry about business. not worry about, you know, Stefan or Chi or anybody. So I think as a, as selfish way, Chino, use that as his escape you know i don't think he ever intended it to be a big band or anything i think it's him like i'm gonna go do this project screw deftones for a little while and then and he's like all right i'm done with that i'm gonna go back to deftones so and that's when todd was like all right i'm gonna go teach you know i'm out sure. so yeah it was one of those things it's a great record but it's one of those things i think it could have been better if they put a little more time into it you know um because todd's a great guitar player crook is awesome you know i uh, my friend Rick, who played bass and keyboards in that band, he's a crazy musician. So if they would, and Zach Hill, of course, is one of the best drummers ever. Yeah. So I, I think if they would have taken, and then some of the songs are really old. So I think if they had taken time and maybe written new stuff and just taken the time with it, it would, they could probably do something really good. But oh, I man, think there's some stuff on there, though, that's just like beyond it, great. You know, yeah. it's just so. Well, and th those are the songs I think that that they would have a full record of you know um there's, there's right. some of the songs some of the record is like yeah it's okay but the ones that they really put their time into you can you can tell it's like oh, okay this is 
This yeah. is your skull is red. This song, this song, that slaps. song is awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then their single, their single is awesome too. So yeah, um, but even there's like a there's like a short. Um, I was listening to it recently, and I think it's called Delorean, and it's just like this short guitar. I'm I believe it's Chino. I believe it's just a like a. I don't even know if it's a minute of him just playing guitar, strumming some different chords, and then it moves on to the next track, and it's just like such a. I don't know unique expression in this body of work from this man who's done all of these amazing things that to have yeah. this this little nugget you know what i mean it's it's really and that's one of the things that i think is so special about team sleep and the a, apart from the context and his life that it came out of it's like there are some really breathtaking musical expressions within it yeah you know what I mean? it's funny it's funny because i don't think chino was even going to sing on that record um I think he started to, then he like, then they started getting guest vocalists. I don't know if you heard the Patton song. Did, yeah. Did yeah, oh, yeah. Pat? yeah. Oh yeah. So Patton yeah. was Patton on there and they had a, a the, the, the girl singer on there. So they had a bunch of songs that she didn't even sing on at first. And then uh, they were going to have actually the singer for Pinback sing it. I forgot his name. Um, but they were talking about having him, him sing on the whole record and then Chino ended up doing it. But, but yeah, it's, 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 but that's the thing. We've we always, I mean, the whole crosses thing was an accident too, you know? So it's one of those things where we all, as a group of friends, we do something and then we're like, hey, let me get on that or let me play on that or hey, can you sing on this? And like, I've been trying to get Chino to sing on our record for for our last two records. I've hit him up like, hey, dude, sing on this. Like, I'll do it. And then I send the song and I don't get anything back. So <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to get on, get him on a record for a while now, but I've had a t- really hard time. But you got Steph just, on the last one though, right? You got, yeah, you I got, got Steph. Steph and, which is funny because I, I text Steph. I'm like, hey, dude, you want to help me write a song? He's like, yeah. And then like two days later, he sends me an eight minute song of riffs. And no way. So I was like, yeah. I was like, oh shit. Like I didn't expect him to send me like something that fast. So I had to go yeah. chop it. I had to chop it up and like make it a song, but yeah, he was on it. He's like, yeah, I want to do it. I'm like, cool. So I wish your singer was like that, but uh, Dude, that's that restaurant manager shit. He's like, I'm on the job. He's yeah. Like, he's I'm, I'm not waiting on this. I got it. Yeah. We're going to get this done and move on to the thing. Yeah. I, I was, I was stoked that he did that, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's, that's just that's how we are you know it's like we're just all buddies and we're like just hop on shit with each other and like you know i mean sean had crosses music he had a lot of songs already done and then chino came over one day to his house and sean's like hey or chino's what are you working on he's like oh this stuff and she's like, i like it i'm gonna sing on it so that's how started that's how crosses started so so yeah it's just it's it just we kind of just hop on each other's shit and then these bands kind of format <laughs> dude that's what's funny. up that's so yeah. rad though i mean that's I, but what better way right like than that like it yeah beats well, the out of some contrived like you know corporate all right we're gonna we're gonna get this guy and we're gonna get that guy or, yeah um, it's, it's i guess that works sometimes but and but it's it's more organic this way and it's like but it does funny because it does i see sean getting pissed at chino like come on man just finish these fucking vocals man i want to get this record out so and sean will give shit too so it's like <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like you know, yeah, maybe they take advantage of situations or homies, you know, like, ah, I'll finish it later, you know, but, um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's cool that we still have that circle of friends that we all just collaborate with each other and like still hang out and talk and, you except, know, still have- except Abe. And, and I asked this question of Sean too. Why does nobody ask Abe to do shit? They, they know everybody knows Abe's like the best drummer, right? Like they know people, people are aware of that, right? What? Well, it's fun. I've, Abe's played with us a few times. I've had him play on stage with us a few times. So he's actually played live with us, but 
he um yeah i've always thought that too like why doesn't anybody ask abe i guess a lot of guest drummers don't really appear on shit too much but but on that song we did with stefan um at the end of the song there's like the snare um marching band snare thing at the very end and that's abe so a word yeah i got abe on our on our on the track he's not playing the drum set but he's doing the marching snare drum so i got him on there at least um but yeah, I, I think a lot of drummers have egos though. Like if I told our drummer, like, "Hey, Abe's gonna play this song," be like, "Man, fuck that! I'll play this." <laughs> you take that's my song. Sticks, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so those drummers have very big egos, so it would be yeah. hard to like convince somebody to, "Hey, Abe's a little better than you. Can you play them this song?" Yeah, it's not the guy behind the mic you got to worry about. Everybody talks about lead singer syndrome. It's that it's that drummer. That's that drummer yeah. ego. Singers are lazy as hell, but drummers are the most have the biggest ego in the band for sure. I'm keeping the time, goddammit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys wouldn't sound anything it wasn't for me. And then about 10 minutes after this point in the conversation, Jeff's battery died. And honestly, if it hadn't, I would have kept him talking for another hour. Jeff Irwin from Willhaven. Thank you, Jeff. Yours has been an immense contribution to this project, and I am extremely grateful to connect with you personally and share some of your stories here. My name is Woody. If you'd like to reach me, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Woodbra, W-O-O-D-B-R-U-H. Those will be the best places to stay up to date on the podcast. Happy Dia de los Deftones, wherever you're celebrating. If you get to make one wish on this special day, let's wish that teething lovers and boys republic find their way to streaming services, all right? Thank you for listening to Deftones, and thank you for listening to Change in the House of Pods. Every week, Michael Rosenbaum is getting deep with someone new on the Inside of You podcast. Let's get inside of Shelly Hennick. So Obliterated's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I had the best time. And it was great. challenging, but it was like the show. It doesn't always happen. Everybody's trying to make a show and you're this not. This was a it's dream. It's no fun. Genuinely. That's and if it beautiful. wasn't, I would just keep my mouth shut and talk about something else. Like, yeah, it like, was. Hey, it was fine. Because yes. I've done that. I've asked people and they're like, you know. Yeah. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Wherever you listen.